0: All right, we are back to podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. You've had a good day in the Lord, and we are thankful uh, for all of His blessings. I want you, if you would, to go to First Samuel chapter number twenty-five. First Samuel chapter twenty-five—a monumental uh, chapter, really—a monumental verse that we're about to approach, and then uh, we cover some, some just ongoings in David's life. It's a lengthy chapter, um, and and we may try to get we, we should get through most of it, but it starts out and uh, with the death of Samuel. Now this is uh, monumental in in a lot of regards. Uh, Samuel was a pivotal figure in the history of Israel. He was uh, the last of the judges. Um, <clears throat> he held the priest office, and he of course he was a prophet. And the de- dear man of God, he was uh, born, he was birthed as a result of his mother uh, praying for him and desiring him, and of course, of course, she was without child, and David, David, uh, Samuel ushered in Saul, um, he did that at the hand of God, although he knew it not to be what was best for Israel, um, but God wanted to teach Israel a lesson, so he allowed it to occur. In fact, he caused it to occur, and we're uh, learning a lot about the economy of God and God allowing and causing things to occur for our betterment, and what this would ultimately do would would lead to uh, David being on the throne. So, we come to 1 Samuel, chapter number 25, 1 Samuel 25, and as we come to 1 Samuel, chapter number 25, and Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in the ho- in his house at Ramah, and David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. It, it, here's what's fascinating about this, that here is just, just a blip. We've got this. This particular chapter has forty-four verses, I believe it is. First Samuel twenty-five verse or First Samuel twenty-five has forty-four verses. We've got two books named after Samuel. Um, he was pivotal. He was monumental in Israel's ex- uh, economy and in the government, and how God operated within, and one verse on his death. Just simply, Samuel died, and he was buried. And that's um, sobering, sobering to say the least, in in regards to the fact that that's what we are. We're dust, and dust we shall return, no matter what we've accomplished in, in life for God, for man, for society. Um, It's that quick. It's that quick. And at that point, we're a memory. And it's how we'll be remembered by those that are uh, left behind. And, of course, Samuel would leave a good memory and good impression upon all those that he would have left behind. So then we come to verse 2. And there was a man in Maon... Uh, whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, just simply he had a lot of possessions. And he had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal. This is an interesting story in the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. So basically, in this situation, we've got a good woman, a good wife, and we've got a very uh, the Bible calls him churlish, uh, just a just a wicked man, not a good man um, and he's, he's he's a man that're uh, we're, we're not going to like very much. And I'm going, we're going to find it interesting of what his lot is and how things shake out for him. He's got a beautiful wife and a wife, the Bible says, of understanding. He's got a good woman. And the Bible says here in verse number four, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. So Nabal's doing some underhanded work. He is uh, basically taking the wool of David's sheep, and he's using it for himself. He sheared his sheep, sheared David's sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and to peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers, now thy shepherds which were with us. We hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask the young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, unto the servants, and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. So David's wanting peace. David's seeking peace with this man. He's This man has happened upon his path. Uh, this is noteworthy, the providential hand of God, how this man crosses the path of David. He does so by stealing from him, by, by stealing the, the wool from his sheep. And Nabal ends, so David wants peace, David comes in peace, David could easily kill him, he could easily smite him, he's the king, uh, or the coming king, but he doesn't do so, and uh, the Bible says in verse 10, and Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David, who is the son of Jesse? There may be, there be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master." Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all these sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. They girded on every man his sword and David also girded on his sword and there went up after David about four hundred men, two hundred Abode by the stuff. So basically what's going on here is an old fashioned uh livestock stealing, livestock thievery. He has sheared the sheep of David, Nabal has. And as he's done so, David wants peace. He he's not looking for a fight. David's certainly not one to run from a fight, but he's not he's not looking for one. And so um David Sends his men in peace, but he is, you know, he's letting him know, you know, this is this is what occurred. This is the fallout. This is what happened. And Nabal's very disrespectful. The Bible's already called him a churlish man. Um, he's a man with a good wife, a beautiful wife, but he is churlish. And uh, he he's not respectful of David. He said, it was David who's the son of Jesse. There's a lot of people nowadays. It's funny how you use that phrase. And so he he honors or or, uh, garners no respect towards David. In verse 19, and Nabal, or 10, I'm sorry, and and Nabal answered David's servants and said, "Who is?" or I'm sorry, verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were in a wall unto us, both by night and day, all the while we were with them, and keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what wilt thou do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is uh, such a son of Bilial that a man cannot speak to him. He's such a man of the devil, you can't even talk to him, full of the devil. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep and ready dressed and five measures of parched corn. She's showing her character. Uh, She's showing herself as a Proverbs 31 woman, no doubt. And hundreds clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Uh, Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, "Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good." And so he's basically telling her what a what a sorry lot. Her husband is, and I'm certain she knows it. And so more also do God unto the enemies of David if I leave of all that pertain by the morning light that any that pisseth against the wall. It says what it says, and it means what it says. So David's saying, Anyone that urinates against the wall, uh, he would be smiting. I'll leave all any, any that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. Now, um david is basically conversing with abigail he is uh speaking to her about nabal there's a a war brewing there you going to see why this pertains to anything it's kind of a little side note or a sidebar if you've ever watched a movie or a tv show and you got a main plot the main plot in this situation would be david and saul But as a little sidebar, something happens. And so basically, we're getting ready to find out where David gets, say, a wife. Okay? So the Bible says here, uh, So more also, or verse number 23, And when Abigail saw David, she hasted, lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, Upon me let this iniquity be, and let thine husband, I pray thee, speak of thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Bilial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his son, and folly is with him, but I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholding thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, let not thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly Make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and hath evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee, and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life. With the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as in the middle of the sling. So look at verse 29. To be bound in the bundle of life. ...with the Lord is still true today. In other words, it's saying that those who are Christians, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, he gives his, his own life. That's a great verse. It's a great descriptive term. Uh, bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. That's wonderful. And then we come to verse 30. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel... This shall be no grief unto thee, nor offenses of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood, causes, or that the Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have done well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. So this is basically Abigail pleading her case. She knows her husband is a rotten man. She knows that he's probably not long for life. Um... So she is she's pleading her case. Uh, she's saying, "Look, remember me. you know, when something shakes out, something happens, some kind of fallout, uh, and and you take his life, don't take mine." So she's in essence throwing herself at the mercy of David, and she she makes a good speech of it. And that's what these verses are about. I know they seem to be, uh, you know, long and, and detailed, uh, but basically it is Abigail throwing herself at the mercy of David and to asking for forgiveness and, and mercy in light of what her husband has done. So we come to verse 36, and Abigail came to Nabal and. Behold, he held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken, so he's, he's a drunkard, uh, wherefore she told him nothing less or more till the morning light. And it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. So in other words, she's saying, look, this is who you have stolen from. This is who you have offended. This is what you've done. (laughs) I'm requesting mercy from him. I don't know that you're going to get mercy. You're the one that acted churlish. You're the one that stole. You're the one that acted like a bully. And um, David's going to get vengeance over this matter. Where well, the Bible says that his heart became as a stone. In other words, uh, he had a heart attack, most likely. And then it wasn't long after that that the Lord smote him. Now, all of that occurred, all of that took place. This is a drunken man, this is a bad man. God removes him out of the way for the purposes of verse 39. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal. So David doesn't have to kill Nabal himself and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, They spake unto her, saying, David sent uh, sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose, and she bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet and the servants of my lord. Abigail hasted and rose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahenon of Jezreel, and they were also, both of them, his wives. So I'll make some comments about this in a moment. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to uh, Falta, the son of Laish, which was of Galen. So what do we see here? What, what is, what, what's going on? Well, um, David has, he's taken two wives at this particular point. And of course he's one of he's also has saul Saul's daughter michael has a hen arm, and he now has abigail he's got three wives um boy that would cause that would cause the the local uh preachers union some some issues wouldn't it um so this whole chapter is basically teaching us about. How Abigail Became David's Wife. It's teaching us about uh, the Lord and requiting, if you please, the evil against Nabal for the churlish act that he committed, the selfish act, the thievery, and then, of course, David was able to marry, um, marry her or to make her his wife after this. Now, something interesting. We read in the New Testament, the New Testament, this just gives us opportunity to teach this and um, concerning this matter, in the book of 1 Timothy, in chapter chapter 2, chapter 3, uh, begin to kind of highlight uh, how to behave thyself in the house of God and kind of standards, if you please, for uh, bishops, which is kind of a loose term, um, but... It does speak of the husband of one wife. And through the years, that has has kind of become to be misinterpreted from a Roman Catholic doctrine and teaching. Uh, Of course, you know, the Catholics teach that you can't be married, and the Bible teaches that anyone that teaches that you can't be married and you don't eat meat, that you're teaching a doctrine of devils. But the whole husband of one wife issue uh, that you read about would hearken us back to David as an example for you see David was multiplying wives David was having many wives in fact that is that is that's the the Jewish way at this particular time that's the custom okay and so when when Christianity became, uh, became not a re- religion as as much as a relationship, but when Christianity began to spread at the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, and the church began to be established, you must remember that it began with folks of, of the Hebrew race, of the Jewish nation, Israelites. And so, as it did so, you had all these Old Testament customs, Solomon had multiplied wives ten times that of David. And of course, David, we see in this instance, is doing so as well. So when Paul is laying forth the standards of a church, he was trying to convey to Timothy, look, it's not going to be a good thing if you've got two, three, four, five, six, seven wives. Okay, that's what he's meaning He's not teaching, like and everybody listens, listening knows my situation and knows what's occurred. He's not teaching that a man who's divorced cannot remarry and, and even serve God and minister and teach, preach. He's not teaching that whatsoever. That's not the context of this. Okay, in fact, God, Paul also addresses this same matter in 1 Corinthians 6 in which we will get into even deeper when we're studying that. But what he's teaching is that you don't need two and three and four and five and six at a time how awful that would be, okay? And so you've got to, we, we look at the scriptures too often under an Americanized viewpoint and in America, you know, you you we don't we don't have typically two and three wives at a time. You you do see people get married and divorced and remarried and so forth. And there are biblical calls for for all of that. You you do have biblical reasons that you'll see, and uh, we we will probably highlight them when we go into First Corinthians. But that's our American viewpoint. So. We don't look at, we don't multiply several wives at a time. Typically, if you've remarried, you have one at a time, okay? And so when we approach the scriptures as Americans, that's how we look at it. But we've got to remember and put ourselves in the context of this book. This book is a Jewish book, especially in the Old Testament, Teaching us the history and the nation of the Jews, and so when Dave, when Paul teaches Timothy in First Timothy to that a bishop should have be the husband of one wife, he's saying, "Look, it's not good that he has two, three, four, five wives," and he's meaning the multiplication of wives like David, not a marriage and divorce issue where a man has another single wife. He has another wife, and it's one wife. Okay. In essence, one at a time. So this kind of gives us the opportunity to teach that and to answer that question because it poses it in scriptures. So where we are, we're at a transitional place in 1 Samuel chapter number 26 or 25. And that is, it shows us what God deals does with Nabal. Nabal and David brings Abigail to be his wife and it's almost like just a little sidebar in scripture. And then we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 26. And as we do so, we see the saga again with David and with Saul. And so let's go there. Let's, let's, uh, let's go into that a little bit. We've got a little bit of time. And so I want to open this up and get back on course. Verse number 1 of 1 Samuel 26, and the Zephites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Halakai, which is before Jeshimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having three thousand chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of Halakai, which is before Jeshimon, by the way, but David Abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. And David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched. And David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the captain of the host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. Then David, and then answered David and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, brother to Joab. Remember that situation, Abishai being the brother of Joab, saying, who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. We all need a man in our lives. We need people, friends by our side like Abishai. Abishai said, I'll go down with thee. So David And Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his holster, or at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. He said, I won't have to do it again, David. You let me do it. And that'll be all you'll need. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and to perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Again, David brings that forth. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the crews of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster and they got them away and no man saw it nor knew it, neither awaked, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord was falling upon them. So I'm going to pause right there and close out as we approach this. Again, David spares Saul's life again. We see the graciousness of David. We see the forgiveness of David. We see the heart of David, where one more time he has the opportunity within his hand to take the life of Saul, and he refuses to do so. But I want to highlight this man by the name of Abishai. We will revisit him as well. Abishai is the kind of man you want in your corner. Abishai says, Let me smite him, let me cut his head off, let me. Uh, smite him to the ground with my spear. I won't even have to do it twice. I'll kill him the first time, David and David tells him' we'll, we can't do this he he's God's anointed, and it's not our place to touch him. but be that as it may. I thank God for people that are by your side, people that are faithful people that are willing to rise up, stand up, help, and defend your honor and defend the honor of God and what God wants men like Abishai. This has been 1 Samuel chapter 25 and half of 26. Next time we will pick up in 1 Samuel 26 and 13. Hope you've had a great day. I love each one of you. Good night.